everybody. Welcome to the Uncommon Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Brian April. Uh, Uncommon Comedy Podcasts are available on Apple uh, Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, and you can watch us on Facebook and on YouTube, and you can see us at uh, Uncommon Comedy on Facebook, on Instagram at Uncommon Comedy Tour, and on YouTube at Uncommon Comedy Podcast. Uh, my guest today is actually one of the members of the Uncommon Comedy Tour that was supposed to be out and around performing, uh, but she is a, a fantastic comedian, uh, performs all over the country, uh, love having her as part of the show, and uh, I'm excited to uh, get to talk to her a little bit today, so please welcome the very funny Lisa Gilbert. Lisa! Hello! How are you? Good! Yay! Uh, so good to have you here. You're you're like one of the real uncommon comedy tour people. So I know. I've been waiting. <laughs> you've been waiting so long. So now, <laughs> before we get you in, get you a showcase to everybody, and um, you can follow Lisa at uh, on Facebook and Instagram at Lisa Gilbert Comedy, and on Twitter at Lisa G Comedy. Um, so Lisa, uh, one of the things I, I love about working with you and I love about your comedy is you have this uh, really likable stage persona even though it's kind of like the sarcastic sassy mom thing it's just really funny um you know it comes across as like you don't care but you obviously do care you know what i mean it's one of those it's those fine lines of you know you say you don't care but you really do care and, and the audience can see it and uh really picks up on it and you talk about you know your family and, and the things that you go through with that and uh i just i love performing with you you're a great person and uh, i'm so happy that you're you know part of the uh, the show so yeah thanks i'm glad to be part of it yeah so let's uh let's get started then let's find a little little bit about you uh find out a little bit about you who inspired you or what actually inspired you to do stand-up comedy you know it's hard i don't know i've wanted to do stand-up comedy for a really long time uh i mean probably since my early 20s and um i don't really know what inspired me i do know that I was always funny at school, but part of that was just to kind of, you know, hide behind my anxiety and nervousness and, you know, just high school sucked. Uh, so comedy definitely helped me get through that. Um, but every time I'd go to a show, you know, like my late twenties into my thirties, even into my forties, uh, I just thought, you know, I can do that. Like, that doesn't seem that difficult. I can do that. Um, I mean, it's difficult. <laughs> but um, but I think that that was it. I've always really enjoyed comedy. Um, Steve Martin was the first record, that um, comedy record that I got. And so I was a huge fan of, of his from the beginning. Whoopi Goldberg, way in the beginning. Um, and just, I guess I just always liked comedy. Nice. So was it Whoopi Goldberg, Steve Martin, was there anybody else stand-up comedian-wise that uh, like you really drew, you were uh, kind of connected with? Or? I think those were the two kind of main ones early on. Um, and then, uh, you know, as time went on, Ellen DeGeneres uh, in her early days in particular was just hysterical. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many now, but I think early on, um, definitely Steve Martin, uh, was a, was a top one and, and, and Whoopi Goldberg when she did her one woman show was just so mm. talented. So, um, what do you remember your first show? Like what were the steps getting into your first show? 
Well, uh, let's see. I so um, another uh, fellow comedian. He has a ministry uh, at our church, and he started um, doing some shows and. Um, and I was like, oh man, I want to be part of that, you know, stand-up comedy ministry, even though I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but really, in all honesty, in my prayer time, God was like, nah, nah, we're not going to have you do that. I'm like, well, that's not fair, because that's what I want to do. Um, and then it was, I don't know if it was a year or so, a couple of years, I'm not sure how much, how far into it. And he did a show, Brandon Young did a show at the Comedy Palace. And after the show was over, I was like, man, that was awesome. Like, I want to do comedy. And he said, well, I'll put you on a show. And I'm like, what do you mean you'll put me on a show? To do what? I don't have any jokes, like structured jokes. And um, and then that was in the conversation. Then he texted me. He was like, hey, I got this show. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, no, no, I do not. Um, and then I, I agreed to host uh, a show uh, at our church, and um, Amy Barnes was the comedian. Um, I believe um, Taylor Tomlinson, and and so I was to, to host and then do like maybe four five minutes, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. If you know comedy, like it takes a while to even develop a good five minutes of something. Right. Uh, but I went up there and just you know, did my thing and did my host thing and that was it. Um, and it was awesome. It was really great, but it didn't necessarily feel like I was doing comedy. Because I was hosting, I was at a church. It didn't feel like I had done a show, but I guess that was probably my first show. And then I was asked to do a show at the Comedy Palace and I was like, no, I'm not. that's a real show. I'm not going to do that. Um, and uh, just kept bugging and bugging and bugging and bugging. And finally I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I did uh, just about 10 minutes or so on stage and I did a great job. Part of that was because, you know, a hundred of the people in the audience were all people that knew me. So, you yeah. know, um, but that was it. I was hooked after that. Nice. Uh, what's the first time we met actually? I, I think it was, we. Uh, the first time I remember you specifically was um, we were judges at a, a clean comedy contest. That I remember, but I don't remember as far as a show. Do you remember when we first? So I don't remember the first show that we were on together, but I had seen you do comedy uh, out in the community already. Mm. So by the time we were, um, I think that when we were both judges on this um, panel, I believe that that was the first time that we'd ever really actually met and had a conversation. But I knew of you prior to that. That's I'd seen you headline. <laughs> and now look at this we, we do so many shows together uh and that's one of the things i'm really excited about with the uncommon uh comedy tour what like what was your excitement for trying to get into with that when we were talking about that you know i think first of all just uh the folks that are on it i mean that's exciting you and i have done a lot of shows together yeah. um for, for most of the people that know brian and i we are you know, we do a lot of shows together. We're very um, good comedy friends, and, and I actually call him my comedy husband. Um, and and but it's but I think that that because I've learned a lot from you 
about comedy. Um, and I watched the way you treat other people and how you, when you put on shows and, you know, your professionalism. Um, I just felt like this, I, I, I have trust in your ability and you're funny. And that obviously is the most important. Um, <laughs> but I really like the uncommon piece to it because you and I are, I mean, on paper, we're really not anything alike. Right. And that's kind of the beauty of the whole tour is yeah. you look at all the people on it and you go, there's nothing in, in common. And thank you for those nice words that I paid you to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how long did it take uh, for things to start to kind of click for you? Um, you know, I think honestly it clicks differently at different times, if that makes sense. Because, you know, that first show that I did, um, I felt great. I I was nervous just because I wasn't sure how I was gonna kind of memorize the jokes, but I wasn't really as nervous as I thought. I felt very comfortable on that stage. And so it definitely at that point clicked that this is something that I was, I was going to continue to do. Um, and then I think there are other, there have been other parts, other times of my career. I just hit five years uh, in April. And so I think I'm still waiting for some clicks. <laughs> um, and then sometimes my clicks are unclicked. <laughs> you know, you do a show that's outside and then the electricity goes out and then nobody can hear you. And then, you know, you're, you walk away like, yeah, all right, I'm unclicking. This is not going to work for me. Um, and then you have a great show and, you know, you're like, ah, this is what I should be doing. I should have started this when I was 12. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think if that answers the question, I think that there's just lots of times where certain things click. When you kind mm -hmm. of find your voice and what you're going to talk about and, um, and then you're like, ah, oh, this is good, this is good. And then, you know, then you start to, for me, um, just my persona on stage and my movement and my act outs and, you know, just figuring what that's going to look like. And then that starts to click. So I think there's more than one. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting too, because uh, you progress pretty quickly, but you don't do, or you didn't do what a lot of uh, comics do, which is the bar scene. And, you know, a lot of the open mics, like you just were able to somehow get yourself onto to shows and just kept it. Yeah, I I did uh, my first open mic about a year and a half after I had already done shows, um, and I'm I'm just not an open micer. It's hard when you for me when you start your comedy career, and you're on stage and you get laughs, and then you go to do stand up or then you go to do open mics, and nobody's really paying attention, and nobody's really laughing. Um, also, I found that the dynamic were mostly men, um, quite a bit younger than me, and even women. And so a lot of the jokes that were being told on stage were just far different from what I do on stage. Uh, I work clean, and so I don't have any jokes about sex or my body parts or those kinds of things. And so... It, you sit through 10 or 12 of those and then you get up there and people are like, wait, who's this old lady on stage? It just didn't, didn't help me. It yeah. No. So what is the best advice you received about comedy? 
best advice, man. I think, uh, or some of the good pieces of advice that you received. Um, I think um, no one's ever helped you with comedy. You just no, I mean, I can't even <laughs> constantly after every single show I do uh, with my list with their list of things that I should be doing differently. Who would that person be? Hmm. No idea. No idea. <laughs> I don't know where you are on here, but I'm pointing to you. Um, I think um, that there's been a few things actually. So uh, to write, which I don't do enough of, um, I hear that a lot actually from other comedians. Um, but man, I don't know. There's just been so many. There's just been so many good things, right? Just how to treat folks at a venue, which for me that wasn't too far off because I'm a pretty polite person anyway. Um, so there are just kind of small things like, you know, pay attention to the audience, watch the sh watch some of the show. Don't just sit in the green room, right? Watch some of the show so you understand what people are saying before you, what people are laughing at, what the crowd is like, um, the dynamics of the crowd. Those things are all important um, to pay a little bit of attention to before a show. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's just been so much, I think. No, I'm not. I guess I'm not giving the best answer on that one. No, it's all good. It's all good. So, um, what uh, what comedian? Now that you've been doing comedy for a while, uh, sometimes people's um, perception of comedy changes. Now that you've been doing comedy a while, what comedians make you laugh? And they can be famous. They don't, uh, or they can be, you know, people that maybe people haven't heard of. Um, man, I feel like there's a handful. I mean, I, there's some certainly. Um, like you said, comedy is very different now when you do it. So I definitely look for the laughter, but I also look for the joke structure mm -hmm. uh, as well. And so, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a real fan still of, um, I love Ellen DeGeneres. Um, that's something that I, I really like. I'm not really too big. I like Kevin Hart. I think mm -hmm. he's very funny. Um, I think probably my top right now um, is Dave Chappelle, um, and and just what he's a, what he's able to do now um, with his platform and his and his stage is is been really great. Um, but I I really honestly because I attend shows if I'm not on a show, uh, there's a lot of local comics that I really really love and that I think are funny. You are a funny guy, and and I've I, I've watched you from very early on, five years ago, uh, on stage. In fact, one of your jokes that you do, you don't do as much as I'd like, um, but it's still one of my favorites. Um, the Pictionary joke is still one, oh, okay. of, one of my favorites. Um, and I've watched you create, you know, funny things, but I just sometimes I have a certain joke from a comedian and yeah. probably my favorite. Um, Zoltan is, you know, that... He's just incredibly talented. Yeah, Zoltan Cassis. We just had him on um, this podcast uh, last week. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's he's very funny. Uh, Trenton Davis, super funny guy, um, and of course, you know one of my one of my mentors as well, uh, Mark Christopher Lawrence, who's uh, incredibly talented, just all around his acting and he's singing and he's comedian. He's just. <laughs> 
you know, he's just a funny guy. So I think yeah. for me, it's more, um, you know, I'll watch com comedy. Joe Coy's new uh, special on Netflix is really, really good. Um, and so uh, Michael Jr., super funny guy. Like, I think there's some like that that I like, but I'm really kind of more of a local kind of comedian girl. Gotcha. And uh, by the way, if you're, if you're listening or watching, Mark Christopher Lawrence was the first episode of the Uncommon Comedy Podcast. You can check that out on YouTube uh, at Uncommon Comedy Podcast. Um, yeah, and you're probably watching this on YouTube anyway. So um, <laughs> this is weird. I feel like this is more of like a formal, like, gosh, we talk all the time. I feel like this is more of a formal interview with, with you, which is so weird. Instead of just us. <laughs> going back and forth and being weird. So um, what is your writing process like? <laughs> so uh, in my cell phone, I have a notes um, app and I just, when something pops into my head, uh, I, I type it in there right away. Sometimes um, it's just a premise. Sometimes there's more of a joke that's kind of created right away and I just put it all in there. Sometimes I'll be telling a story to somebody and it's really funny and uh, they'll say, Ooh, you should put that. That's a great bit. You do that to me all the time. Um, Ooh, that's a great bit. So uh, I do that. Well, I'll, I'll put that in there and then, um, and then I'll write it up. I took a comedy class um, uh, from Tony Calabrese, who's local here in San Diego and there's a formula and I still use that formula in, in writing my jokes just to help me kind of structure the setup. So there's not tons of setup. What um, is that formula? Um, it's just a grid and there's lines. And so you just, you just type out, um, type out the joke until there's a break and then you go to the next line and then there's boxes on the left-hand side for punchline setup, setup punchline and tag. And so when I initially write the joke up, I, I type it all in that and then see that I've got, you know, a setup that's like 20 lines and then a half a punchline and no tag, right? right? And then from there, then I kind of work on it. And then typically I uh, call you. <laughs> and I have an idea for a joke or we meet. And then I am very excited about my joke that I've just written. And then you say... Yeah, that's not funny. <laughs> and then we re and then we work it. We rework it. So that's kind of that's kind of my process. So collaboration is important. I think collaboration is important for me. I think that um, there are other comics that I know that do not, and they just kind of write stuff on their own. Maybe do some open mics or. Um, but for me, uh, I I like to run stuff by. Um, another comic and yeah, that works best for me. Yeah. And it's good if you can find people who are um, willing to do it that are like a, a, at a higher level um, because then they, they can see things that uh, maybe somebody, if this is for like open micers, if they're an open micer and you're by another open micer, doesn't mean they can't give you good advice. Um, but you're generally, you know, if someone is still as an open micer, trying to figure out their voice and their career. And there's a, an established comedian that you can maybe pick their brain. Like that's a, a really good tool as well. Um, so yeah, so when you when you go on stage and you, and you do it, uh, do you record yourself? I record myself nine times out of 10. And I'll do either the audio 
or I'll do uh, a video. Um, and then I will either watch or listen back. And it's an, that's an important process, uh, important part of my process, a writing process, because you don't know when you're going to get a tag. You don't know when something perhaps is going to happen in the audience and um, something else funny comes up or you ad lib something else and that, th that completely changes the joke to the better. So I'm, it's always an audio. Um, and then most of the time, if I can do a video, I will. Yeah, it's a really important thing to do. Um, so because that, that differentiates when you have a good show versus a bad show, shows you maybe why something didn't work. Speaking of bad shows, here comes the question. What is your worst show ever? So I fortunately have not had too many of those, but... <laughs> Uh, somebody called me and asked me, somebody who does like blue comedy, great guy. What is blue comedy? Blue, like dirty. And he called me to be on a show. And typically, if I know somebody that typically works blue or doesn't work clean, um, then I'm assuming that somebody's asked them to put on a clean show. And so I said, yeah, yeah, where's the show going to be? And, you know, remember that I'm clean and. And, you know, and he was like, yeah, 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 of course, of course. And it was kind of early on uh, in my career. And, and so I said yes. And I get there. And we worked out a fee. And I get there. And there is no stage. Uh, there is a sound system. However, the sound system somehow breaks down 10 minutes before the show. And the DJ who set up the sound system, got angry and took all of the stuff and left. So um, then we wound up doing the show on the top of some stairs in a bar with a mic that was kind of in and out. The two people before me were um, very not clean. And then I get up there and uh, yeah, nobody cared about me at all. <laughs> I got a couple little, <laughs> uh, but that was it, and it was it was horrible. Like it was, it was horrible. How long did you have to do? How long of a set was it? Um, I only did about ten minutes, but I think he wanted me to do twenty. And after ten minutes, I was like, "Yeah, that's my time." Like there was just no way <laughs> I was going to do any more of that. And there were like twelve people. It was horrible. It was horrible. That's yeah, it's always rough when the audience can't hear you. That's uh, that's kind of a bad thing. So, what is the uh, the weirdest place that you've ever performed, or like weirdest type of show? Um, gosh. So, I think for me, like I haven't done anything too crazy. I did a, I did a show in an airport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we did that show together. That was that was um, that was not good. <laughs> It was awesome. It was such, I mean, it, it wasn't bad. Um, it was definitely, it's one of those shows where you do and it, like you've really got to dig deep. Like you really got to, like you, you got to, there's not a crowd work. If you're not a crowd work person, man, you better, you got you to gotta learn that real quick. Um, so that was, a, that was a very interesting show, one that I would do it again, even though it was hard. I would definitely do it again. And then I did a show um, for about 
25 people in a backyard with no mic and it was somebody's 40th birthday and they wanted me to roast the guy. And I'm like, I'm not going to roast somebody that I don't know. You could tell me a couple funny things about him. Well, the couple funny things that they told me about him, he didn't find them funny. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was awkward. He was like, yeah. wait, who you? <laughs> and why are you talking about that situation that happened in the second grade? Like, I don't know, they told me your wife. I don't, it's horrible. <laughs> I never understood why people, um, hire comedians for like backyard private birthday parties or whatever and then have no it's you know because you end up in somebody's living room for like eight people and it's just always just really awkward but then i did i did a 60th birthday party for uh, a woman in her backyard but i can tell you this she got herself a little sound system she had she set it up very very nicely and that was a really fun show so yeah, I mean, having sound and lights and all of that makes yeah, such a all. difference, you know, but most people just, oh, just wander around the party and just, you know, make people laugh. Like, I'm not a up-close magician, you know, like, I'm not going to yeah. go table to table and tell a I joke. I think some people are able to do that kind of stuff. Like, I just did a show recently um, for a group of ladies, and they wanted me to kind of do some jokes that had to do with their organization. Right. And I said, um, yeah, I'm not that person. Like I can do a couple here or there. I did a breastfeeding, um, a big giant breastfeeding gala. And um, that's where my Lazy Susan joke came in because I had to kind of figure out a couple things. So I can do a little something, but I can't write a whole new set based on a specific organization yet. At some point, yes. But right now, that's I can't. Well, that's why you, you know, and you always charge double at least double when when that happens like if you want custom material you're you're going to pay for it because people don't realize how long it takes to to write and develop and have jokes that are funny uh, especially on a particular topic yeah it's yeah it's a lot I, like i said i can do a couple things i can talk nicely about the, the folks and you know hey thank you teachers you were great right student you know but uh as far as writing a whole like 20 minute set yeah it's taken yeah. me five years to write a 20 minute set. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, now, well, and you also, uh, to give you credit, you, you've also just recorded a, a dry bar comedy special, um, which should hopefully be coming out this year in 2020. Yeah. Um, what was that process like? What? What was that process like? Recording? Uh, it was so great. But first of all, the folks out there are just so nice. And that's a lot. That, that to me says a lot about a show, right? And so, yeah, now they were just really, really nice, very professional from beginning to, you know, to me being there and it was great. Um, and then the show itself, I mean, it's a lot of pressure to be recorded. You know, like you ain't recording yourself, that's one thing, but you, you've got somebody else that's recording you and, and um, you know, there's, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a lot of pressure um, but again, everybody was really nice and I think that helped. Um, so yeah, it was great. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hearing that it may be December, uh, this year. So I'm, I'm hoping that that, um, that that happens. And that'll be cool. And you'll let everybody know, um, when that comes out and you can, if you want to follow Lisa, you can follow her, um, on Facebook at, uh, Lisa Gilbert comedy. 
Uh, and that's also Instagram as well, Lisa Gilbert yes. Comedy. Yes. And then your Twitter is Lisa G Comedy, correct? Yeah. I don't do too much on Twitter. I'm trying to pick it up, but, you know, I've got uh, several distractions here at the house. Yeah. <laughs> so. For those who don't know, Lisa is a uh, mother of triplets. And you had them uh, sort of later in life. I did, 44 years old. So, and they are now, what, eight? Is that correct? Eight and a half. Eight and a half? Yeah. So it's it's been, uh, well, it's good because you've gotten so much material out of them. So oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're your writers. Yeah. Yeah, so you just go through the day. That's where your material comes from. You just yeah. go through the day and just record. So. <laughs> So now you've been doing comedy, um, like I said, five years, and you're, you know, you're getting established now as like, you know, like a, a one of the heads of, you know, like San Diego, and you're you're up there, and you're you're traveling um, internationally doing comedy. What are some of the things now that you see uh, new comedians do that what that uh, are mistakes? What are like some of the biggest mistakes you see? Um, I mean, not having any jokes. <laughs> now you sound like me. Where's the punchline? I've been around you too long. Where's the punchline? Um, well, so yeah, I mean, I just, I guess, just not having any jokes. I, I think that there are some. Um, Zoltan is a great example of that, where um, he's got this bit that he does about bed bugs, and it happened. Like a lot of stuff that obviously our jokes and things that we write about are things that have happened in our life to some degree. Um, but to be able to just talk about your day on stage without any planning, um, then you're just up on stage talking about your day and we can do that over drinks at happy hour. So right. I think that that's kind of what I see a lot where you just kind of get up and, and just kind of talk with no real kind of beginning or end or structure to your joke. Um, the other thing is I've met a lot of newer comics that have not ever been to a live comedy show, which is so weird to me. Um, and they've watched a lot on Netflix, but there's a huge difference between watching something on Netflix and actually going to a live show. Um, and so I would say that that would be, uh, that that would be it. Just have some structure around your jokes and catch a live show or two. <laughs> So that would be your advice to, to comics? Yeah, I always tell newer comics if I have the chance uh, with my unsolicited advice um, to uh, always record yourself. Um, have some joke structure. Don't think of a joke in the car and then do it on stage. There are people that can do that, but most cannot. And we'll know. The audience will know when you've written <laughs> that joke in your car. <laughs> you don't have to say it because then we're like, yeah, we knew. Yeah. Um, and then um, go to a show. You, you can't join a bodybuilding contest and just walk on stage and start flexing your muscles. You've got to go to the gym. And that's what shows are, in my opinion, live shows are for me. That's, that's my gym. That's where I get my workout. To watch how people move on stage and, and what they do and how the audience reacts and how they react to the audience, right? Like one of the things mm -hmm. that you talked to me about is, you know, kind of finding my voice on stage. And it takes some time to do that, but part of your voice is also your act outs and your movement. And when you first walk on stage, if I get too excited and I get on stage and I just start my stuff and I don't take a breath, man, I'm not gonna have as good of a show as if I were to just take a minute, think, 
get myself on stage. You know, how y'all doing? What's up? What's good? You know, get a little, like, see how everybody's feeling, who's laughing, right? I've already watched a little bit in the back to kind of see, you know, is there a heckler? Somebody talking too much? Somebody making out in the corner that's going to distract me? Like, what's going on out there? And then when I just take my time and then, like, all right, let me tell you a little bit about myself. You know, it works right. Better. Absolutely. Now, um, you started... Uh, obviously a little later in life. I mean, you've been, uh, like I said, you've been kind of funny your, your whole life. And um, so what was it kind of like starting out uh, doing stand-up comedy? Were there reservations about starting out so late in life? Or did you, how did you feel about all of that? I mean, to be honest, I'm just excited to be doing comedy. I mean, that's, that's I, I don't, I don't know that I ever put much thought into crap, I'm going to be 53 here in a, uh, you know, a couple of months. And, oh, man, I've only got five years in. And how am I going to establish myself? Am I going to be able to be full time? And, you know, but I, I can't really let that bog me down. I just mm -hmm. have to keep going and keep pursuing. And, and to be honest, you know, the shows, I've done bar shows. Um, those don't work for me, right? And I think... Right that's where comics start. You don't want to turn down a lot of stuff. You want to, you know, try to get on there as best you can. And, and, and now I'm at a place where um, I have a little more say in the comedy that I do and the opportunities are coming to me uh, certainly much differently now, a lot of word of mouth, which is great. Uh, people that have seen me on shows and then want to hire me for a show. Um, and so I feel like it sounds kind of cliche and cheesy, but this is where I'm supposed to be at this stage um, in my life. And, and because I have young kids, um, I feel like a young 50, I mean, except for my knees and my hip and my feet and my left finger, but everything else feels young. Then I feel like, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. And, and because I've got three eight-year-olds, um, I can connect to audiences whether they're single and want kids or married and have kids or have grandkids, the same kids my age. Like it, it's, I feel like this age is working for me well. Nice. So you talk about that and having, you know, uh, three eight-year-old triplets. Um, you've recently gone full-time with stand-up comedy. And how do you manage the uh, work life, you know, road life, comedy life balance? Because that's a real, you know, that's a real thing. Yeah, so and especially when you were working full time. Yeah, you know, not doing comedy. I mean, so um, I still have a couple part time gigs. I do a lot of training um, and a little bit of speaking. So um, there's that. I mean, I still have to bring in some money until you know comedy does better, like all comics um, in the beginning, right? Um, but I think that um, I, I retired. And then the next day, um, the news said, oh, by the way, everybody's going to have to stay indoors. And my kid's school said, oh, you're not bringing your kids back to school um, for the rest of the school year. And um, <laughs> my initial response was like, oh, no, no, I'm bringing my kids to school on Monday. <laughs> like, I don't care who's there. <laughs> Superintendent, doesn't matter to me. Um, janitor, homeless guy down the street. My kids are going to school at 815. I'll be picking them up at 240. Um, so that, you know, the, the retirement piece for me was to be able to have more time to travel, but at the same time, 
be home with my kids after school, have that time with them. So then if I had a show in the evening, then I had some time with my kids um, each day. And uh, so that's still my plan. I will tell you though, Brian, that being a second grade school teacher now, well, school's out, but you know, now I'm a second grade, I'm a second grade summer school teacher because my kids need summer school. Um, and doing some part-time stuff, um, you know, still needing to bring in some salary. Uh, I feel like I'm just as busy as I was working full-time. Um, for those of you that are out there that try are they doing comedy or have a nighttime gig, right? I got to find a sitter. There's no way I could be doing this podcast now without my husband here to keep the kids out of my room. Like, you know, there's still those struggles for me um, that I'm still trying to trying to work out. Mm -hmm. To be quite honest, right? Not not to mention writing. You know, where do you find time to write? You know, where do you find time to to reach out and book gigs? Where do you you know find time to do that? Networking at shows is so important. You have to be there at a certain time. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, so it's not like you just come in, pop in, and leave. There's you know a little bit more to it. So that's you know something you have to kind of juggle. And you know, I think you've done a really pretty good job of uh, of doing that so far. So yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. One of the things I learned is that bookers and people that run a show don't care. <laughs> they they don't care about the fact that you've got to make sure that your triplets are asleep. You know, because the sitter's going to come, and and they're not the greatest. To, I don't know. I mean, it's it's that's that piece is is it, I learned that I learned that by listening and paying attention in the green room, by listening to bookers. Right, you do a lot of booking, so listening to mm -hmm. you and you know what that what that's like to book a show, and realizing that it's not personal that people don't necessarily care that you've got these other issues because you just the show's got to go the show's got to go on and so it matters that you get there on time mm -hmm. you're ready to be on stage and do what the job is that you've been paid to do yeah and that's that's a, a really true uh that's a that's a really big thing for someone who does produce shows uh, just that professionalism uh, i'm going to ask you about the funny audience stories uh in a second but once again uh talking with lisa gilbert here um you can follow her on facebook and instagram uh she is a comedian from san diego performs all over you can follow her on facebook and instagram at lisa gilbert comedy you can follow her on twitter at lisa g comedy and she does have a drive bar special coming out later on this year december sounds like of 2020 so keep on the uh, lookout for her so do you have any funny audience stories that uh <laughs> either happened to you or while you were you know watching a show um well i've i have seen many comics deal with hecklers beautifully um i've so i love to watch that I love to watch that. I love to watch a, a comic handle uh, a drunk person in the audience with grace, not cussing them out and degrading them, but just really handling them with grace and keeping the show going. Um, that's that's something that I do like to see. Doesn't happen mm -hmm. often, but um, I think for me, I um, <laughs> so I'm biracial, right? Half black and half white, and I grew up with a white mom and mostly a white family. And so I've had to kind of learn about my 
black side, my African American heritage and just who I am and how I'm perceived. And, and um, which is funny because um, I'm married to a black man. It's my second one. Um, I'm not married to them both at the same time. That would be a lot of work. Um, but so when I do uh, a show for an all black audience, I get nervous. I'll just put that out there. Um, it is the most, I'm, I'm Brian's laughing because you know how I get. Mm -hmm. um, and I get I'm more comfortable nervous. in front of an all black audience than you yeah. are. Which yeah. <laughs> I'm getting so much better. I mean, I'm so much better and it's, it's my favorite shows, but it's also, I'm, I'm just super anxious and I'm part of why I'm super anxious is because I have a, I have a, I have a black joke. And um, I'm never sure how it's going to be received. So I'm on stage. It's a all. It's a Baptist church, and uh, it's mostly black women, sprinkle of black dudes in there, right? Um, and I and I'm on the show. You're on the show, Mark Christopher Lawrence. And I turn to Mark Christopher Lawrence, and I'm like, dude, I'm not doing the black joke. And he's like, yes, you are doing the black joke. And I'm like, no, you know how I am. I'm not doing the black joke. I'm gonna get punched in the face. I'm not doing the black joke. So I did the joke and I get up there and I'm like, so I'm biracial, half black, half white. And a lady in the audience is like, girl, we know. And I was like, all right, I see now that's how we're going to do it. And she wasn't rude about it. I wasn't, you know, I didn't feel attacked or anything, but I'm like, okay, okay. So I, I, I go on with my joke and there's a part where I say, you know, but I grew up in a white home, so I swim. And half the audience laughs. And a couple of the audience members are like, what, that's what? I'm like, oh, okay. I see, now you want to be offended. I know, we know, we see you, Happy. We see you, we see you. <laughs> and the audience just, I mean, it was probably the longest pause break I got for laughter. Like it was just, just, uh, they just, they just loved it, loved it, loved it. So that was one of my, I think one of my favorites. I get, I do a little singing. Uh, so I definitely have had a couple of times where I'd have a drunk man in the audience. It's like, hey, baby, you singing to me? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. But thank you for the compliment. So I've, I've gotten a couple of those. <laughs> that's funny. We're going um, to switch gears and talk a little bit about uh, something that's near and dear to your heart. Um, uh, an organization uh, that you, uh, did you find, uh, were you one of the founders of this? Yes. Okay. Would you uh, tell us a little bit about the, this organization that you were the founder? Yeah. So I, um, I have a, a ministry. That's somebody. Yeah. The door cracks yeah. open. Right, here we go. This is <laughs> hey, can you close the door there, buddy? I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> That's how I juggle people. That's how I juggle. <laughs> I'll talk about later. Uh, so anyway, I um, so yeah, I, I I actually am way in the back. Uh, I have to always give credit to Snow Thornton because she does all the the front work for this now. But um, I think it's been I don't know fifteen sixteen years or so um, when I realized that I had attended a uh, I attend a large church, the Rock Church, and I also am a social worker of a large organiz organization, which is the County of San Diego. And there was a way for me to put these two together. Um, and so I um, founded Step Up, the Foster Youth Mentor Ministry at the Rock Church. And we recruit mentors for the County of San Diego who has a mentor program. And so basically um, uh, what we do is we um, 
interview and talk to and do orientations for folks that are interested in mentoring. And then we send them to the County of San Diego to finish the background process. Um, and then the matching of um, foster youth from six years old to 18. Um, we also are working with Voices for Children in recruiting CASAs, uh, which are court appointed special advocates. Uh, a lot of those CASAs hold educational rights um, for kids that may have special needs um, in schools that need somebody to advocate for them. So, so um, where can they uh, find out more information about that? And that is at, uh, well, there's the website. And so yeah, you which can is, go. Yeah, this is a long one. www.sdrock.com slash ministry slash foster youth mentor slash note from Lisa. Yeah, the note from Lisa is just the very front page. So you don't necessarily leave that need that. But if you go to sdrock.com uh, and then just click under outreach ministries, uh, you'll find it there under foster youth uh, mentoring. Um, and then you just email. You can always uh, message me as well on um uh, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, you can email me at lisagilbertcomedy at gmail.com and, and I can kind of guide you in the right direction. For those of you out there that are like, I'm not trying to join no ministry. That's okay. You can still be a mentor. Um, we are just a uh, ministry where we uh, build up uh, people in the ministry that attend the church. You don't have to attend the church to join the ministry. It just gives you extra support. You don't have to be part of the Rock Church in order to be a mentor with the County of San Diego um, either. So there's always um, different ways for you to um, mentor a youth if that's what you're interested in doing. So there are organizations if somebody's in, you know, Colorado or Massachusetts or whatever that they can, and uh, listening to this, um, and the, what they can kind of reach out to their their certain areas and see if there's some sort of uh, foster youth uh, yep. organizations. Okay. Do you yeah. know of any national ones that they might uh, look into as well? Well, or? the County of San Diego has their own mentor program. Okay. Um, and then there's also Big Brother, Big Sister. I don't know. Um, I don't know how well they work with foster youth because uh, foster youth. You know, one of the one of the um, the things about Step Up and is that it's really kind of showing kids, you know, God's staying power, and that regardless of what you do or where you're at in your life. God isn't going to leave you. And, and so for us, for the mentors that, that we recruit through Step Up, what we tell them is, is that, you know, kids are going to move. We're going to, we're going to match you with somebody that lives in an area that's close to you. And that's going to be real convenient until something happens and that kid has to move. And then now they're 40 minutes from you. And are you going to stick with them? Right. Because when a foster youth changes placement, or is removed from their home, they lose everything. They use they lose community and school and friends, the 7-Eleven where they get their hot fries, like they lose it all. So our hope is really that the mentor sticks with them during during those uh, difficult transitions. Right, now we've done uh, a few um, shows for, for Step Up. Uh, and just one last thing for it is, um, why is this so important? Uh, why is, um, fostering you know why is this such an important program you were in uh social worker you said for, for 25 years in san diego why is this so important what impact does this have on the on the children well the trauma of being removed uh from your home regardless of how um abusive it was uh is difficult and like i said everything changes for that kid 
right? Sometimes you don't even get your cell phone. I mean, you're, you're removed from your home as a teenager. You've lost everything. And, and so uh, being a mentor uh, to a child is research-based, right? It improves hygiene. It improves uh, their, their grades in school. It improves mood. Like there's just so much that uh, the research shows that that changes outcomes for kids when they understand that there's one person in their life that loves them and cares for them. That's awesome. So once again, uh, you can reach out. It's uh, sdrock.com slash ministries slash foster youth mentor. And then you can do slash uh, note from Lisa if you if you choose. And if you uh, are, if you want to just say one more thing, yeah, if you are absolutely. a church and you're not, if you're in San Diego or California or in another state and you're interested in starting a ministry like this, um, then yeah, contact me. Let me know. And where will they contact you again? Uh, you can contact me at Lisa Gilbert Comedy at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook uh, or on Instagram and send me a message there. Or you can um, go to sdrock.com uh, and and um, contact me through the ministry there. Okay. And worst case scenario, too, is if they, they can't find you, they can also contact me and I can put them in uh you in touch with them. So, yeah. and uh, Lisa, I want to say thank you so much for, for coming on today. It's about yeah. time we got you on here and let's, uh, let's do some stuff soon. Once this all gets uh, unsorted and we can get back to being humans again. And I want to thank Lisa. And uh, I'd like to thank uh, JD, our producer for, for helping us out today. And I'd like to uh, just say thank you to everybody for tuning in and watching. Uh, again, feel, uh, please feel free to follow us on Apple, Google, um, Spotify. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Uncommon Comedy on Facebook, Instagram at Uncommon Comedy Tour, and on YouTube at Uncommon Comedy Podcast. I want to thank everybody again. And uh, thank you, Lisa, so much for, for taking your time and uh, sharing your, your Can knowledge. I say one more thing? Sure. Besides, thank you very much, Brian. Of course. Um, if you are uh, an organization, a church, um, we've got we've got a great great lineup. Um, the stage will be coming back, uh, so definitely keep us in mind. We've done we've done marriage ministries, we've done marriage events, we've done uh, singles events, we've done appreciation events, mm -hmm. and uh, where we've done some comedy for um, for staff uh, fundraisers are. I think kind of our specialty. We do a lot of fundraisers. Um, yeah, so definitely hit us up because we've got, we bring a great show. The great thing about uh, Uncommon um, Comedy is that you can bring your kids to it. So if you want a date night, great. If your babysitter all of a sudden can't come, uh, my kids can sit right in the front seat um, of our shows, uh, which is a beautiful thing. And then they yell out your punchlines, which is always They do. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning thank in. And, uh, thank you, Lisa. And we'll talk to you soon.